Hey, uh, I had a crampy stomach for uh, most of yesterday afternoon, and I have no idea why. No? No. Uh, it kept me up. Uh, I actually woke. <laughs> this is, and we're recording, by the way. I woke up in the middle of the night, and I had to uh, take care of some evacuation. I've done that before. I'm sure you have. I'm sure all of us have, except Dan. Yeah. Dan doesn't evacuate. <laughs> Dan. No, there's no. You just, you just wonder how your clock works, eh? And then all of a sudden, like like 3.30, it's like, whoa, this feels like I've just had my morning coffee, and I'm thinking about what I'm going to have for breakfast. But yeah. first. But first. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, it was weird. I, I didn't. Yeah, I, I said to Stan, I think I'm going to go have to have a little session here. Mm-hmm. Middle of the night. Dan, are you dressed up? You, I said to you before we started recording, you look like you're dressed for a job interview of some kind. You're all put together wearing a collared shirt. Well, I just thought I'd change it up a little bit, you know? It's uh, it's uh, sort of a warm, sunny-ish day with a little bit of rain around. It's good. Not, you know, just to start the week off right. It's funny how uh, quickly it all changes, right? You know, two weeks ago, it looked bleak. <clears throat> And now there's trees filled with leaves and flowers and grass. Um, Dan hasn't told you, but he really, he wants to be mayor of the trailer park. This is, <laughs> this is, this is step one. Is this his campaign? Step one is image. You know what I mean? Image and dress nice and oh, then yeah. walk around the park looking <laughs> distinguished before he announces that. He will be running for mayor of the trailer park. That's like the to best. Control everything here. Yeah. And, um, yeah. <laughs> mayor of the park. Park mayor. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. his honor. That's what we'll start calling him. And now here's his honor. His worship. His worship. His worship. Yeah, his worship. <laughs> park mayor Dan Duran. <laughs> That's great. You're like the king of Kensington. Kensington. Yeah. I'll wander back and forth. Pointing at things that people uh, have done to their uh, sites and say, that's a nice job there. Good on you. Those kinds of things. Encouraging words and, you know, be a or positive why force. Do orange, why do you have an orange umbrella? From my site, it's a bit of an eyesore as I look down the lake. Stuff like that. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know if mayor's the job. It's more like sheriff. Trailer Park Sheriff Dan Duran. <laughs> he just wanders because the, the mayor wouldn't see the mayor wouldn't be enforcing those kind of bylaw infractions. That would be Dan Duran, Trailer Park Sheriff. Yeah. Do they give a little? Uh, I guess a little badge for that. You think? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and okay. you get to carry a BB gun. Good. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a trailer park. You carry a flare gun. Um, right. Then people would be like, uh-oh, are those the footsteps of Sheriff Dan? Can't wait to pull out my little wallet thing to flash the badge. That's That would be cool. <laughs> you should be. You, you know what you should do? You should dress in that, uh, that outfit. I have a picture of you and I somewhere in the uh, late 70s or maybe even the early 80s and we're both wearing those weird, like, super short shorts, but for some reason you're wearing a crop top. <laughs> he's, got, he's got a T-shirt yeah. that comes down just below his ribs. That should be Dan Duran's trailer park <laughs> sheriff uniform. Nice. And people would be frightened at the very sight of you. Yeah, especially now. Well, Fred, were there some uh, infractions this weekend that he had a problem with? Uh, no. Oh, Pretty okay. clear sailing. 
pretty clear sailing. <clears throat> Everybody was just setting up this weekend, and uh, yeah, I'm pretty much done. Uh, yeah. Just got to plant some flowers now in the next week or so, and uh, we're ready to go. Ready to roll. Oh, I got to put my boat in next weekend, too. That's it. And you really just have that in the water for when the babies come up, right? Uh, yeah, and uh, it's a shuttle service over to uh, Darren's cottage. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say, you don't. there's not a lot of pleasure crafting going on, is well, there? Well, the kids are of an age now. We bought them this ski trainer thing, so I took them up a few times last year with that. I'm sorry, it's called a what? Like, it's a, a ski training thing where you stand on it. It's inflatable. You stand on it, and you have, like, the tow rope. So it gives you the feeling of being out on the water in that ski posture. And um, <clears throat> although Johnny Slapshot fell last year and didn't let go. Mm. So I dragged him through the water a bit. <laughs> so that freaked him out. You know that feeling? Sure. And it just so happened, you know? We do all this stuff. You know, and there's little mishaps along the way. No matter what you're doing, when you're with a 10-year-old boy, like last week, he's going to catch a pop fly, and it goes off his glove and hits him in the nose, and it's like... Anyway, um, anyway, it just so happened that Grandma, or Mama, happened to be in the boat when this took place. Uh-huh. So, it was like, you know, that happened to me a million times when I was a kid, Um but it was quite a calamity at the moment when Johnny was dragged a few feet along the water. So he might be a little bit tentative this year. But I said, you got to get right back on it, buddy. You got to get right back on it. Yeah. Yes, you do. You just need some other 10-year-olds doing the same thing. Yes. And then he'll go, well, <laughs> if they can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Dan, is there an, a time that as the park ranger... That you are, you're comfortable with children playing on the water. Is there a time that you would rather they didn't? No, I'm fine with kids doing all of that. It's okay. the sedus that bother me. Ah, sedus right in front of my place here, the eroding the shoreline. That that's that's one of my. And where should one sedu then out on the open uh, water? In the open waters, yes. All right, get out of get out, get out of here. <laughs> See, it's funny they bother me too, but. I the last not the last thing, but the eroding shoreline isn't top of mind to me. I just can't stand the sound of them. Yeah, but they don't, they, yeah, and then, and then you go in circles and you keep jumping your own wake, and for some reason that is uh, fun. But why do they need to do that in front of your place? It's so narrow there. I mean, I'm not. I understand that it's noisy, but I can't imagine they'd be that noisy going through the narrow passage in front of your places. Oh no! If you're just zipping by, it's fine. Yeah. But there's this thing where you go in circles and you ride your and you sure. your own wake. Yeah, it's like and it. And I don't know. I guess because it's a little calmer here. But there's a bay like uh, what twenty seconds away from here that yeah would accommodate that just nicely. But I guess you can't. I guess it's more of a hey, look at me, look what I'm doing situation. So some people call it show off bay around here. So yeah, they call it show off bay. <laughs> show off oh bay. man. You know? So, anyway, <clears throat> now that I'm the ranger. Park mm-hmm. ranger. I think we've set up. <laughs> it makes so much more sense. You went from mayor to sheriff to park ranger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all making sense now. It certainly is. All right. Well, you know, there's lots of stuff going on in the world. We haven't seen each all and seen each other for a few days, so we got a lot of catching up to do. So, yeah. let's get started with uh, Ranger Dan Duran. 
This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from Humble and Fred Studios in Toronto and Studio 21 and Studio 22 on the lusty shores of Lovesick Lake. And is brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge, and Hush Blankets. And now, here are two men with the price of gas at $2 a liter are thinking about opening their own gas station to get in on that liquid gold. Humble and Fred Gas will have two blends, regular Humble Gas and sweet-smelling premium Fred Gas. It's Humble and Fred. That's right. You get uh, all the gas you need from us. I uh, I had a... Listen, thanks for that, Dan. Stay here for a second. You're not going to want to miss this comedy gold. Uh, Larry Fedorik, speaking of funny, he's our guest today, but that's not what I'm referring to. So, Dan, you know I've got this little issue downstairs there, and I still haven't solved it. The uh, leaking water situation. Yeah, and uh, I wanted to bring it up on the show, and, and it ties into something you just said, because, as I said to Freddie before the show started, I said, this is kind of a weird situation, because I, I, I've never seen this before, where I had a service person booked, uh, an HVAC I have uh, a different kind of furnace here. What's the name of it again, Dan? It's a, not a high frequency, but a high... Well, there's high efficiency. High, it, well, that's not what yeah. it is, but it's it's a different type of furnace system that runs on water being heated and then the air being distributed. Anyway, there's a, it's the weirdest thing, guys. It's just in the railing, the track of the, the sliding doors on the furnace that's where the water seems to be showing up so it's coming from underneath anyway so if anyone's listening and you know someone in the hvac business i don't think it's a wet basement issue do you guys think it's not something like it's not the foundation it's not coming in from somewhere i don't even think it's a leaking uh like pipe uh, of it's, some you don't kind. Think it's condensate is what Fred and I have been thinking it is. You know, the but, but here's my condenses. Qu- yes, but why then, Dan? Is it just but? It's not even. It's just coming up on the tracking in that bathroom area between the bathroom and the uh, the stairs. Well, low point possibly. Is it a low point? The I don't know, man. Mm. The only thing that concerns me about that is. <clears throat> The screws or the fasteners into the floor, yeah, that hold the tracking in. Is it coming up through there? But leaky basements are usually the walls. It's not up through the floor. Well, that's what I don't understand. It, it, it seems to be. I'll say this: it looks like it's coming from underneath that that not the furnace, but that that air intake. It's this, so it's it's in and around there, and maybe it's coming underneath where that railing is. So anyway, I booked somebody. And uh, I just got them off the Google, and I get this uh, note, Dan. It says, good morning, Mr. Glassman. I have to cancel our appointment for Monday. We're based in Markham, and at two, and at a $2 per liter of gas, it's not profitable for us to travel for business. Uh, for this, wow. for business this far, please contact another professional. I'm sorry for any inconvenience that this may have caused you. So there's... Uh, two things I thought were somewhat interesting. One, I can't figure this thing out, and, and I'm hoping somebody might be able to come by. And the other thing is, are we going to start seeing this more and more, where people will not want to travel outside of their region to service people? 
I bet. Well, it, the price of gas is is putting premiums on a lot of services. I think that that you're you get a service charge, and there's shipping companies are adding that. I think now, it's surely going to affect things. You can't. Uh, well, I just thought that was an interesting it. sign yeah. of the times mm-hmm. that somebody would cancel. A, a, I don't know how much this is going to cost, but it's got to be a few hundred bucks. But I guess they've done the math and thought, well, it's going to cost us this much to drive to where that is in Toronto. And uh, the profit gets sucked up in the cost of gas. Well, it's just, you know, service people that are busy. They don't need to. Believe me, if the guy needed the job, he would come. I get that. Why don't you use the Jiffy app? Okay. What's that? Well, just um, it's the Jiffy app, and uh, you go on and you put in where you live and what you need, and they send a service person uh, in the area to your home. And usually, when you start up, you get a discount. And the app's called Jiffy. It's called the Jiffy app. Be there in a Jiffy type of thing. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> is that does that actually exist? Never heard of it. Neither have I. You haven't I heard of the Jiffy app? They no, do a lot of no. advertising. Um, oh. No, I haven't heard of it. Uh, yeah, and um, I'm a little suspicious. So you would just, the Jiffy app. You would put in your address, and you would need HVAC or whatever, and uh, immediately you get responses from uh, the Jiffy, uh, the Jiffy uh, sort of Jiffy, Jiffy Central. <laughs> And they'll uh, recommend uh, people to call or whatever. Yeah, you or wouldn't want to call, call the Jippy you. app. That's like you get gypped. Here, come on over and jip me. Mm-hmm. Can't say that, Howard. That's a, that's uh, That comes from Gypsy. Does okay. it really? Yes, it does. That's like saying, you know, about, you know, what I'm going to, you know. that. Other no, thing. I don't know what you mean. About cheap people. Oh, know? I see. Mm-hmm. You're insinuating. <laughs> I didn't know where that came from. You're going to blank someone down Mm. by saying you're going to gyp someone. Mm. Comes from gypsy who were were accused of ripping people off traditionally Mm. in the old in the olden days. Not not true, of course. No, of course not. Is it worse to be gypped or to be Jewed down? I don't know. Don't know. I think it's about equal. (laughs) Oh, do you? Well, I, I, yeah, I'm throwing that out there, but I don't. I'm just, I'm just asking. I, just, I didn't know I, idea what your I would have used them in both in the same, you know, <laughs> in the same inconsiderate way. Yeah, you know what it made me think of though when you said that, Fred, is this uh, fantastic tune from. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. It's Monday. This is where Cher, who is of uh, Native American descent, uh, sings as though she's a gypsy. Do you guys remember this song? Of course you do. Oh, of course. Yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> it's gypsies, tramps, and thieves. <laughs> that was uh, right up there with In the Ghetto. Oh, yeah. By Elvis Presley. Yeah. There is a... Uh, out of transistor another, radios. That's everywhere. right. I, I was going to say... cultural, social sort of statement <laughs> song. Uh, by the way... No, I was going to say, I don't, I don't believe Cher did any songs about getting Jude down. No. Um, speaking of, uh, of another song uh, to do with a subject... Uh, 
uh, social someone, yes. I guess. Yes, of course. Justice. Yes. Um, David Milgard died over the weekend and, uh, of course, uh, tragically hip. Wheat Kings, that song written about David Milgard, you know, convicted of murder at 16 for the rape and murder of that young girl some 23 years later, totally exonerated. It was a mistake. Yeah. They didn't have... It's funny, of- I, I had that song all queued up, ready to go before Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves. Oh, did you? Yeah, I had it ready. And, um, yeah, crazy, 23 years. He only lived to be 69, and 23 of them were stolen from him. From 16 to whatever that is. And, you know, uh, it's an interesting crazy. story, because I, I read it this morning, the... Um, you know, what moved Gord and the band was uh, an encounter with David Milgard's uh, sister, I think. Uh, anyway, they heard about the story. And, and, and the song is not just about David Milgard. It's about the faith that his mother, Joyce, had in his innocence. And I don't really remember the story. It was in Saskatoon. Yeah. They but, found a 16-year-old girl raped, raped and murdered. Right. And really flimsy evidence. But, you know, I think it was back then, too, 1969. They didn't have the DNA stuff. A couple of cops who wanted to solve the murder. So they became blind to a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And it was a rush to judgment. So, hey, look at me. I solved this. A lot of that went on before forensics. Like, the way DNA. Gord Downey said it's a song about David Milgard and his faith in himself and his and his mother and her absolute faith in his son's innocent and our big and our about our big country and his faith in man's fallibility. Mm-hmm. Did they? Uh, I, I'm sure I knew this at one time. Did they ever find the actual murderer? Oh, I don't think so. No. Imagine that. Uh, you know, you murdered that woman. Not only is that murder, but then knowing that somebody is in jail for all those years. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you live that life? Mm-hmm. Yep, sad story. And uh, he got out uh, when? Uh, 1992, I think. Yes. Yeah. 69 to 92. Although, in the song, he refers to it as the Paris of the Prairies, which is Saskatoon. Is that what he's saying? That Saskatoon? Dan, I've never heard that. I never heard it referred to as that. No, not, not me. Well, he was writing a song. Maybe he coined that. No, I get it. And, and the other thing that always confused me about this song is that Wheat Kings mm-hmm. is about is where it's the Brandon Wheat Kings. Uh-huh. But the Wheat Kings part always kind of escapes me. Do you have any understanding of that? No, not me, no. All right. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to stump you. <laughs> All right, well, fine. Dan, we're going to be uh, moaning about uh, Toronto and uh, their lack of ability to win a playoff series, so you might want to let yourself out. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to uh, your times. <laughs> did, by the way, did you experience any of this in person on the weekend, or were you... Uh, uh, yeah, I watched the last period down here. It was, what a party killer, I'll tell you. Was, was, was who was watching it? Night. Uh, a bunch of the people up here at the lake that, uh, that gathered wow. uh, in a couple of spots. I and where did you watch in it? on the last period. Where did I watch it? Yeah. Over at Chef's Place. Chef's Chef. is a big... Uh, 
He's a big uh, a big Leaf fan, and uh, yeah, I was all going. Everybody there was like uh, stadium seating or yeah, nice. a, a little television, and mosquitoes were uh, surrounding the screen, and uh, that's it. Was just a, the moment they lost, everyone scattered. There was <laughs> that was it. Party yeah. was just done. There was well, nobody uh, nobody hanging. What were you drinking? What was I drinking? Yeah, what were you personally uh, drinking? Were you drinking uh, beer? White was wine. it a white wine? Little, oh, a white, white wine, wine yeah. were you now? No, a little white wine, yeah. Well, it's yeah. nice. What what white wine uh, goes best with a leaf? I guess whining goes best with a leaf game. Any? <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Check you guys later. Have a good leaf talk. So, uh, what time did I talk to you Saturday afternoon? Probably three or four on the way home from golf. Uh, yeah. It was about that time. Yes. We had a nice conversation. I was excited. You were excited. You were... Here's what I'll read you. I don't have a transcript of our call, by the way, but somebody... Obviously, there's a lot of people who are wondering, you know, what your response was going to be. Um... Where's the email here? Usually we, we do emails on Thursdays, but I thought I'd pick this one out. It says, Hi, Humble and Fred, just to let you know, Jugmeat Singh's name is pronounced Jugmeat, not Jagmeat. Also, this is the part. If Fred is going to go on an I told you so leaf rant, can you give a warning so I can skip that part? Thanks. Love the show. I really do. So, uh, yeah, where do we start? We had a nice chat, you and I, Saturday afternoon. Uh, I was telling you how much I've enjoyed being part of Leaf Nation for a couple of weeks. And uh, just remind me, what state were you in Saturday afternoon? We were both... I was excited. Were you hopeful at that point, or were you uh, <clears throat> sort of uh, wait, a wait-and-see mode? Uh, again, not to be negative fucking Ned, but... No, I I fully was preparing myself for that leaf feeling that you get year yeah. after year after year. Um, you know, I I was sitting there going, well, well, what if this went right and that went right and this was the finally the breakthrough and on and on and on. But deep down, it was like, no, I can't. Tonight at ten o'clock, I'll probably be I'll have that leaf feeling as opposed to that exhilaration feeling of you know victory and on to the next level where did you watch it oh, all by myself right in here yeah you didn't want to be part of i the didn't crowd. want to watch yeah, it with yeah. anybody no because because yeah. the thing is if they fell behind by a few goals i was going to just shut it off i i'm not yeah i guess yeah you know people say, oh you're a poor sport you're not a true fan well yeah that's the problem i am and, and I, and I, you know, and personally, I'm tired of it. And I, and I, and I don't even know what angle to attack this from. Like, you know, Oilers win Game Seven on Saturday night, and Connor McDavid is the star of the game. Last night, the Calgary Flames, Canada's other team in the playoffs, win Game Seven. Johnny Goudreau, one of their stars, player of the game, he wraps it up for them. And the Toronto Maple Leafs lose two to one. You know. A defenseman scores the goal. The Leafs are now 0 for 18 on the power play in the last uh, in game sevens with this crew. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, what can I say? It's, you know, and as 
as the third period wound down, I thought, okay, may, maybe, you know, are they going to tie it? And then maybe somebody will win it, uh, you know, in the closing seconds, or maybe it'll go to overtime and we'll win it. But you just had that sinking feeling as the as the third period came to a close. It was like, no, they're not. There's nothing there. They're not going to do this. And, uh, yeah, with about seven seconds to go when they're fighting for the puck in the corner, I just shut it off and I went to bed. And that was it. Another year. Another loss. And, you know, this core group together now, what? it's like four or five years they've been together now and they there's no, no progress whatsoever. People can go, oh yeah, they had their best regular season ever. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? You know how often teams... <clears throat> three, four, fifth seed win the Stanley Cup. It, it happens all the time. So mm-hmm. I don't care about the regular season. Once again, they're out in the first round. That's all that really matters, isn't it? All right. Um, well, I'd like to comment. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought about this when it was over. I thought, you know, I, I've been saying I don't really like the team for a long time. It's kind of a bit. I mean, I've been a, in, in I've been in Toronto for over half of my life, and so I not just have an affinity for people like you that are super fans. But I, I'm, you know, I obviously I've been here. It would be great to see them do well because it means so much to so many people I like. And the guy that I played golf with, I was telling you this Saturday afternoon, he's a retired captain, uh, fire captain, like you, he's been a fan his whole life, similar age to you. And similarly, you know, was getting very excited, but also nervous and, you know, with a sort of uh, hoping it goes well, but preparing for it not to go well. I can just tell you from being involved only for the last seven games, which I saw almost all of except the game I forgot was on I can I really feel bad not feel bad is wrong I feel for you and I feel for people listening that are Leaf fans because if I'm this frustrated and I barely care (laughs) I can't I can't imagine how I really can and I'm being serious how frustrating this is for you and as I wrote to one of my buddies I'm like great now I get back to not I get to go back to not caring about the Leafs until the first round of the playoffs next year and even I with my limited investment I was bummed and I'll tell you and we can talk a little bit about the specifics if you if you want but I started to feel they weren't going to win almost from the beginning of the third period. Because I've watched enough hockey in my lifetime to know how difficult it is to score on a team that's doing what they did so well. They just shut down the middle of their end. And it was weird. And the Leafs, because Tampa was blocking a lot of shots, the Leafs sort of stopped shooting. There was a few times, like Nylander a couple of times, and Riley once, a Marner. They broke broke in on the net, and your natural instinct goes, he's going to shoot, and they didn't. They held onto the puck and went around the net, and I'm yeah. thinking, okay, now it's in their heads. That's not good. But, and you know, previous, there, there have been previous Leaf teams that have advanced in the playoffs that went into the playoffs without a lot of hype, so you were sort of proud of them for what they accomplished. But always part of those teams, there was like Doug Gilmore, and I keep saying this, or Wendell Clark, or Daryl Sittler. 
they refused to lose. They had this attitude. And even though the team they had wasn't good enough enough to win the Stanley Cup, they went out with this competitive edge that was just was fun to watch. They just sort of yanked the team along with them. Mm-hmm. They don't the Leafs don't I'm sorry, they don't have that. No. They 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 it's not there. You know, Tavares scores a couple of goals in game 6, great. And I think ultimately maybe ne- William Nylander had more points than anybody in the, in the in the series, which is great, but when you really really need it, it's not there. I don't know. What do you do about that? Well, getting back to the frustration part though, like again, I watched zero regular season mm-hmm. games and I mean, I know you watched a few but it's that weird feeling. And when it was over, I thought, I've, you know, I was going to text you. I thought, oh, yeah. screw it. But it's that weird feeling of like, and, and you could hear it in Marner's voice in the press conference. Like, he was devastated. Yeah. I didn't see any of that. I just watched it the next day. Mm-hmm. You mean, you feel for these kids. But at some point, you know, when you said it was in their heads, there was a feeling as soon as the third period started that if they didn't score quickly, that it wasn't going to happen. I, I started to get another level of sinking feeling with 10 minutes to go. Because, again, mm-hmm. it's really rare for a team to do that. they got to score right. twice. But it's the frustration of waiting another th- 12 months yeah, for them to go through the regular season, to get to this and, point again. And look at... And they showed the graphic there on Saturday night. They're big guys. Braden Point and Steven Stamkos and Kucherov. Their stats aren't very good in Game 7s either. But Nick Paul, yeah. this Nick guy they Paul. trade for from, from Ottawa. From Ottawa, I know. Scores the two goals. His first two playoff goals ever. See, those are storylines. Like, how do we reply to that? Who's, who does that for us? Right. And don't get. And it's not a case of, you know, I told you so. What do you mean, I told you so? I don't have to tell you about the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, that email you referenced... It's not a case of I told you so. It was a case of looking at the the team and saying, yeah, I don't think they can beat Tampa. In the end, I don't think they can beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. To, to the Leafs' credit, I think the series went longer than I thought it was going to. I didn't think they would do that well against Tampa. <laughs> well, I, I disagree with you on on that point. I do. I, I understand. Yes, you're. Somebody else texted me. Oh, Fred the prophet. I go. Well, it's hard. It's hardly being a prophet. You know, he's basically saying it looks like they're going to continue to suck like they have for years. I, I disagree with this point. I think they were good enough. I, I don't know them as well as you do, but I, from what I saw, and you and I talked about this, I think they outplayed the Tampa Bay Lightning for the most part. And yeah, a couple things went against us. The two-man penalty, the the leaf. Who gets a goal called back in Game Seven? When does that happen? And that wasn't really a pick. But, but I mean, just again, I want to say this: Leaf luck. How do you get a goal called back in Game Seven? And, and just take a building like that, which traditionally isn't that loud and excited, and and and. And on really a flimsy call, suck the life right out of the building. It's not good showbiz, I'll tell you that. And I know the referees are in a tough situation. But again, Howard, you say they were the better team or they played well enough they could have won it. Last year, they, you know, over seven games, they outplayed Montreal. Lost. The year before, outplayed Columbus. Lost. The year before, people argued that they outplayed Boston. And lost. lost. 
No, I, so, and I, I get your frustration. I'm just saying from, an, a, from a sort of outsider's observation, they played well enough through most of the periods I saw that if a, that if that that two man penalty was devastating. The fact that the goal call gets called back devastating for a lot of reasons and a couple of bounces here or there. But um, I wanted to read you something because this is pretty hockey technical, and I wanted to get your thoughts. And uh, this is I'm part of a golf chat, and they're a bunch of Leaf fans, and there was a bunch of discussion, mm-hmm. and I said, oh, I should pick this out and run it by Freddie. So one was somebody was arguing that the team was, you know, should should stay together and do best and they shouldn't fire Keefe and all this stuff. And here was a friend of mine. His name is Mark Gattoli. He's a bright, bright man. And, and this was his assessment. I want to run it by you. He says, uh, I'll say this once more and then not talk about it for six months. The Leafs salary structure doesn't allow for them to compete in the playoffs. The bargain basement players that did so well in the regular season fell hard. If you forget about the first game and look at the games when they mattered, when they were close, only Kemp, is that how you pronounce his name? Kemp? Mm -hmm. Only Kemp had a goal in those six games. One goal out of your third and fourth lines. Paul outscored, this guy, Nick Paul, outscored all of them last night for the series when it really matters. Leafs are the best pond hockey team in the NHL when it comes to the playoffs, so they fall short. And he goes on to say at least Marner showed up for the series, blah, blah, blah. But they only have Matthews for two more seasons, and he will be AMF. Uh, I'm not sure what that means. Out of here, if the Leafs don't have major success. He says, fire Dubas. I don't have an opinion on Keith, but if he has lost the room, he needs to go. Move on from Spezza and rebuild the mid-tier players quickly. Uh, and so on. What do you think of that? You can't. But you th- what do you think about the, the idea well, that the salary structure is hamming them or ham- whatever, well, is hamstringing I, them because of the mid to the, the third and fourth line? Well, I've talked about that on this show many, many times. You can't pay four guys $40 million. And the frustrating part of it is that, you, you, yeah, you blame Dubas, but you look at, and again, here's another problem with the NHL. There's no income t- state income tax in Florida. So you can pay Steven Stamkos eight, uh, $8 million a year U.S. And he, at the end of the day, he realizes more money than John Tavares does at eight uh, at $11 million U.S. in Toronto, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So there's that dimension of it. But a lot of these teams that have that have drafted young players like Sidney Crosby, Stephen Stamkos, and there's other examples as well, they've talked to these players and say, hey, guys, at the beginning of your careers, take a little less so that we can spend a little more on the support staff and we can have a championship here. So do you blame Kyle Dubas that, you know, Austin Matthews wanted top buck and he got a thirteen million, and because he did, um, uh, uh, Mitch Marner wanted it. So those guys within themselves decided, "I want the money now, and hopefully, a championship will come with that." Mm-hmm. Dubis went for it. Okay, criticize him, but there's a certain level there where the mentality of the players are a bit to blame too, because there's lots of time to make lots of money, but when that little window is open. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to be able to jump through it. And this and this salary structure has really, really handcuffed them. There's not a lot they can do. It's why Zach Hyman's out there playing well for Edmonton right now. 
they couldn't pay him five million a year, and he was a key key player. So you kind of agree with Mark's uh, hypothesis that the salary structure is kind of has gotten in the way of of yeah. building the team in a, in a holistic manner, as opposed to just specifically those three or four right. guys are making all the money. And what your buddy is saying there, like no disrespect, but that's not at all profound. I mean, that is the narrative with the Toronto Maple Leafs. From every angle, everywhere, in sports talk radio and, sure. you know, fans that follow it. It's it's just, it was a question mark right from the beginning. You know, my buddy said to me the other day, he said, you know, Matthews and Marner are going to win a Stanley Cup. It's just not going to be. <laughs> it's just problem. not here. It's not going to be. Yeah. And, and here's another thing they did with Austin Matthews. Usually, if a guy's eligible for free agency in five years, you sign him for seven. Matthews did not want to sign a seven-year contract. He signed a five-year contract. They are literally walking him to free agency. Hmm. So here's what's going to happen. In the last year of his contract, right, he'll probably not want to sign with the Leafs. He'll look around. Again, if we're still going through this bullshit, and just before the trade deadline, they'll probably trade him somewhere for draft picks or whatever. I mean, I really see that scenario unfolding because... The position they're in right now, as your buddy says, it's how do you solidify that? Because even that um, uh, some of those mid-range players they, they, they signed this year that failed in the playoffs, they played well enough in the regular season. Now they're going to want raises mm-hmm. because they were all signed to one-year contracts. And the Leafs can't do it. They're right up against the cap. Well, profound or not, I thought you would have. Uh, it does explain, again, to a casual observer that started watching the Leaf season a, a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, you're thinking, wow, you know, this is exciting and it's entertaining. And, and I'll say this again, though, and I told you this on the phone. I've really enjoyed it. And I know this is going to sound selfish. One of the reasons I was, many reasons I was bummed, you know, for my friends and, and also just because I like, I like to see the city have something to celebrate. It's almost like, well, I was kind of looking forward to watching some more hockey, and now I don't care enough about those other teams. I don't care about Edmonton no. and Calgary enough. And See, you, you are me in the 90s. When the Leafs sort of had that renaissance, you know, and, and yeah. Pat Burns and Dougie Gilmore and then the Matt Sundin and uh, Pat Quinn. You hadn't seen it for a long time, so I was swept up, and I watched every game. And in the end, of course, it was Leaf disappointment, but it was still new. Yeah, and, and it was entertaining hockey. And, and here's another point, too. A lot of these teams, people go, oh, well, you know, other teams, you know, they, you know they, have to, they have to lose before they can win. But here's the thing. Be it Washington or Tampa or any other team recently that sort of ascended to win a cup, Pittsburgh, you know, in their third... uh, rejuvenation they at least win a series along the way you know what i mean it's like the first year you you lost in the first round but the next year you went to the third round that's right and then the next year you lost in the third round too but you're getting close there's no progress yeah what it's it's almost like every year is um is of its own there's no like okay we were here last year so now we know what that feels like and that's a huge part. That that what we're talking about now is a huge part of sports psychology. Yes, you know we've talked about this before. You know the Oilers lost to the Islanders before they won. The 
You know, the Islanders lost to whoever before. I, I can't. I know. I, there's a. I'm sure there's a more modern reference. I'm just you know old now. But the point is, and that's a great point you're making. That whatever they learned last year from the loss against Montreal didn't carry forward. They didn't get to the second and the third round and then got their feet wet and felt what that feels like. Because you could see when they came out in the third period, very quickly it became obvious. It's, it, it's, I think it's more mental now with this team. What the, I think I said this to you during our phone call that you uh, referred to. I said, they're going to be playing themselves tonight. Mm-hmm. And... And I think that was obvious because the later it got in the game, you know they're thinking, oh, no, we, this can't happen again. Oh, yeah. no, this can't happen again. Yep. And rather than, as I said before, sort of one or two players taking the team on their shoulders, they sort of turtled. Yeah, Matthews and, had his worst game. Marner was nowhere to be seen. You know that thing in sports, too, like a lot now of uh, drafting and uh it's psychology, right? It's yeah, like of course. Not only you, you don't you not you don't just draft talent; you also draft ahead, and you yeah. just wonder if these guys are are up to it. I I don't know. And, and here, one other point: two people are saying, "Yeah, but you know, it was a bad draw, and it was a shitty draw." They got the Tampa Bay Lightning, but four or five years into this program, the way they are, every you know, they're supposed to be poised to win a Stanley Cup. Well. To win a Stanley Cup, you got to beat the best, right? Yeah. So, does it really matter when you face them? You still no, exactly. Beat the best. Yeah. Again, I don't have I don't have an opinion about that because you're going to have to beat somebody. It yeah. was too bad they had to start with Tampa Bay, but I thought, and I still think it, except for a couple of periods, they were good enough, played well enough. We could have we could just as easily be talking about them having, you know, a victory. But once again, and we're going to have to wrap this up because Larry's standing by. Um, but once again, a victory was nowhere to be found. And I can tell you right now, and again, I barely have any skin in the game. And it, it was frustrating to me yesterday, the day after, thinking, well, that sucks now. I'm not going to watch another Leaf game until April of 2023. Yeah, I'll tell you. You, you know, this year I backed off them. Next year it's even going to be worse, honestly. Right. I just, the whole 82 game thing, I am sorry. You can score a billion goals. I don't care. Well, I now, and, and, and by the way, I understood it before, obviously. I understood yeah. why your frustration. But now, I can see why you wouldn't care how they played. Mm-hmm. So, I, I said this to my buddy Dave, the fire guy. I said, listen, man, I just can't get excited about Leafs versus Columbus in February. That doesn't mean anything, but I understand even more now. How could you, as long as you've been following this team, mm-hmm. get excited about any of those games until they win a first-round series? And one other, one more quick point. Okay, but we have uh, to get game going Game six. Yes. Pissed me off way more than game seven. Not, game six was their chance. Yeah. They had the 3-2 lead again, the double penalty, but they went into overtime and had a couple of chances. Good, solid chances to win in overtime, like they did in, against Montreal last year. And then all of a sudden, the puck comes down our and end. They and they score. It, it ends up in the net. So game six, to me, that was their chance. Win that game. As soon as it went to a game seven, I had that feeling like, I don't think so. It ain't going to happen. Let's talk about uh, people in Leaf Nation having trouble sleeping. If that's you, the reality is lots of people struggle with sleep and Hush is here to help. Hush is an industry-leading sleep brand that carries a wide range of sleep essentials for every sleeper. 
Whether you're a hot sleeper or a cold sleeper, Hush has what you need to get the job done. Of course, you know of Hush because of their best-selling weighted blankets and mattresses. They even have iced technology. Now, here's the cool thing. If you're not if you're not happy, if you're not happy with your Hush, don't worry about it. Because Hush has a 100-night guarantee. That's right. Try your Hush product for 100 nights and return it with no hassle whatsoever. I'll tell you right now, you go to HushBlankets.com, you get 10% off. Use the promo code H-U-M-B-L-E for 10% off. That's HushBlankets.com. Frederick. Uh, the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. You can get a free quote today. Uh, this is doable, people. If you have a small business, you've thought a benefits package would work for your people, your employees, your um, team members, and work for you. Hey, this is the ticket. Go to chamberplan.ca today. Find out all about it. Prescriptions, you know, we usually think about that with a uh, medical plan. And then there's dental. But there's all sorts of therapies, and they have an HR component now. Uh, and <laughs> mental health help as well. A lot of people suffered through COVID. Uh, you know, a, a crazy dimension to that uh, situation. Well, they're looking after that as well. So take the time today. Chamberplan.ca, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Yes, you can afford it, and they do a great job at holding the line on premiums. Chamberplan.ca. Anyone can see the I've been listening, listening, listening to lithium. I like lithium on uh, SiriusXM, but I was listening to, I think, 90s Alternative the other day when I was working out, and every other song is like, oh yeah, Fred and I used to play that song. And uh, and then there was, a, you know, there's like a whole category in radio, I'm, I'm sure we've explained this to before that songs get day parted Mm -hmm. there's like a whole category of songs that you and i never got to play hey larry turn your camera on um Um, what you don't have to if you don't want to if you're not if you haven't got your makeup on yet larry anyway there's a whole category of stuff that you and i never got to play but i used to hear on the radio station that uh spotify has it's just look up 90s alternative it's a nice spotify channel larry are you there Mark, can you hear me? Yeah, distortion, distortion. It's okay, okay. Turn it down. Turn it down. Are you talking into a computer or into a microphone? Into a microphone. All right, turn it up a little bit then. Turn it up a little bit? Yeah, if you don't mind. Always something. Is my camera on? Yes, your yes. camera's on. All right. I te- you know, I test all this ahead of time, and it doesn't seem to actually do it. <laughs> I'm just going to say, we've done this before. When yeah, I this isn't there, our first like, time. Uh-huh. Um, I can't remember if we've talked to you uh, since Norm MacDonald died. Have we? Uh, yes. Okay. Because uh, we talked a little bit about Lawrence Morgan's story right, last right, time. Right, right, right. And that okay. would have been after Norm and all that. But yes. Um, Larry and I worked together uh, as a radio duo for a short time. But in that short time, we hosted a breakfast somewhere, like a Christmas breakfast. And our guest was Jim Carrey. Right. That right. was uh, our claim to fame. That we were, uh, he was, it was just after he kind of became Jim Carrey, the movie star, but it was, uh, Ace Ventura had just come out. I think that's part of the reason we got him is he was promoting that movie. Yes. Yeah. 
Uh, How does the story go there? He got like, for the first one, he got like 400,000. No, 450,000. In the second one, he got like 7 million or something. Wow. Mm -hmm. Hey, Lawrence, can you just turn up your mic one more notch and then we can get started? Um, Larry's been, uh, of course, a broadcaster, podcaster, has been filling in some uh, stuff at Kitchener's uh, City News 570. And, of course, he's a, a longtime friend of the program and a, a good chum of ours. And it's always an interesting conversation. I was looking at the list of things we might want to talk to you about. And, of course, uh, you can't avoid what happened in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And I'll just start by throwing this out there for you, too. So CNN calls uh, the shooter, you know, uh, refers to him several times, uh, white supremacist had a racist manifesto, had Mm -hmm. planned this, thoroughly researched that area code, where are the most black people going to be? And that's how he's described CNN, mainstream, lamestream media. Here's how he's described on Fox. Some kid with a gun. Right. Discuss. (laughs) Well, well, for the first time after, and there were, I guess, three other shootings on the weekend for a total of 50 uh, deaths, you know, by the numbers is is so ridiculous. But the, for the first time, the, the discussion I heard, and maybe it's been around before, but I didn't hear it, was this idea that, uh, for example, a jihadist would go on a killing spree and his religion and and beliefs were responsible for his actions. Whereas a white supremacist would go on one of these and he was often referred to as a lone gunman mm-hmm. or a lone wolf. Right. And and the discussion that I really found interesting was it's it's time to actually uh, associate a a movement, a religion, if you will, with the actions of these kind of people, the kind of people that 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 shot up the tops in Buffalo, that it's they have they have a greater uh, uh, they're not just a lone gunman. They're part they're part of a of a movement. His mm-hmm. manifesto would be proof of that, I guess. So I, I thought that was an interesting discussion, slightly different than the normal discussion of some guy with a gun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I I totally agree, and I think it's all part of the freedom movement right uh you know this whole white replacement thing that's attached to the uh, so-called freedom movement because the people that you know park their trucks in ottawa those assholes you know they use the word freedom a lot and we saw some of the videos what they think about you know white replacement uh taking place in canada Mm -hmm. and to me that's the gist of it all and it's all and it all started with Trump again. That ability to just now speak your mind because the guy at the top is saying those things, so we can all say it. And this is just another example of it. And we better watch it because it's coming here if it's not already here. Right. And I, and I heard a couple of commentators on the weekend, uh, uh, people people of color who have discussed a white anxiety that has existed in America for decades and decades. I mean, look at America. America America's not got a great history uh, when, it, when it comes to this. I mean, you know, to paint them all with one brush, they're a racist country. They, they, <laughs> they built themselves up on slavery and racism, and, and it's still there. It permeates their society. I, I don't say we're the guilt-free North. We're not. But, but it's, diff- it's different up here for now. Mm-hmm. There, it has permeated society for so long, and there, ha- there has been a white anxiety that hasn't really been addressed um but but now is being um 
promoted by by people like Trump and others. Um, first of all, all, yes to all. You know, I was thinking about this a lot yesterday because it was on my mind. I was watching CBS in the afternoon, watching golf, and of course they keep cutting into breaking news in Buffalo. And the, the interesting thing about what you guys are talking about and what we've been discussing on the show a lot, Larry, is that that white anxiety is happening it's happening at the middle and lower class level those are the only people that are worried about brown people and jews and others replacing them because the people the tucker carlson level the trump level the white the the upper class white level no one's they're not worried about being replaced but what they are doing what they but here's the thing i thought of those people are what they're doing is they're they're inciting worry and anxiety among the lower class and poorer white people to feed the machine because that's because mm-hmm. they profit off it right th- th- that's exactly and that's what trump did it was masterful actually because the guys at the top the people with the so-called brains are using the dunderheads for yes. their movement <laughs> and i'm telling you again people may think i'm hysterical but it, it, it it's here and the thing is, oh, yeah. it, we're, we're in the early stages because this whole, again, freedom thing. Don't tell me that Pierre Poliev isn't, and we talked about this last week, that the freedom thing is a dog whistle to these people to get them out. But what's different? Voting. Here's what's different here. That I, I agree again. I know I'm, mm-hmm. I said that. It's a, this, when he says freedom, it's a dog whistle mm-hmm. to those people. What it, what, what's yeah. happening here, though, it's the weirdest thing because... We haven't had any freedoms taken away, and our middle class and poorer white folk aren't in anywhere near the trouble they are down there. It's almost like a copycat movement. Because they, you know, when you watch these fucking knuckleheads in Ottawa and they've got MAGA hats and they've got uh, upside down Canadian flags, swastikas and Confederate flags, they're just trying to ape what they've seen down south. But, 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 but you see, the word freedom, we, it's not to be taken in the literal sense. You can't say, you know, white supremacy or, hey, white power. Right. That word freedom means all that. And it's being used more and more up here. Right. And that's what scares me about this whole... So when I saw Buffalo, I thought, wow. And then you read what's behind it. It's just yeah. another step along the way. It, 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 it is here. I agree. I mean, the great story. We might have talked about this last time I was on. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe the, I don't remember her name, Leach, who was arrested as one of the organizers. Right. Yeah. Uh, her, her husband, because uh, their assets were frozen mm-hmm. through the Emergencies Act, he somehow got funding from somebody to fly in a private jet to Ottawa to be in, he's from Alberta, yeah. to be in court. And uh, he wouldn't reveal his, his source. And cited in court in Ottawa his Second Amendment right. Yes, I remember. We, we haven't talked. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, someone has to point. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I just want to see the judge's face at that moment. Yeah. Going, Excuse me. Yeah, these what? are not. By the way, mm-hmm. these. One thing that does give me hope is these are not the best and brightest that we've produced. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, is is in the United States? Are we seeing? This is one of my theories. Are we seeing the results of Reagan's education cuts in the eighties? Because the math kind of works. Yeah. We're seeing a few generations of, of and I, I loved your word, Fred, dunderheads. <laughs> haven't mm-hmm. heard that for a while. It's, we're seeing these idiots. And, and it really plays through all surveys at an education level where urban educated people don't have the same yes. fears and anxieties 
that uneducated rural people have. I'm not to, again, paint with one brush, but there's a divide there and it's education. And that's well, that's what I said. Like, you know, when I see the I don't even I'm trying to I don't even have the premises, the people, the Americans we see on TV, on commercials and programs. That's not the real America. The real America are those people struggling to get health care and pay their rent and, and running water. And in order to get them engaged, you say, wall, brown people, Jews will not replace us. Those guys with the tiki torches in Charlotte. I don't even, you know, and, that, and I'm going to be honest, that was one of the first times I'd ever heard that phrase, the great replacement theory. But what they're worried about is white people being replaced by others. It's all in a way, and that's the, the real tragedy, is it's all to raise money. It really is all to raise money for the people who are profiting off the stupidity of, the, uh, of that generational education gap. You know, that's one great achievement by the Americans in the last election. Like, you look at the votes that Trump got, and it's like, where do they come from? Well, those are a lot of people that never voted before. Yeah. They never, they never took the time to cast about. And they weren't interested in politics. They were all, uh, as far as they were concerned, it's just politics. They're all the same. Well, then, you know, Trump sort of picked at that scab. And how do I reach these people? Make them feel like they're threatened racially. And they all came out to vote. And again, I keep saying it. This is what's going on here, too. If the conservatives in Canada have any chance of really getting over the top, they got to get a lot of people to come out and vote who traditionally don't vote. And that even means here in Ontario, which is usually liberal. And that's the strategy. Because they've, they've done their research and they've thought, wow, you know, there's enough... There's enough going on in here in Canada based on what's going on in the States that maybe we've got a movement here that we can untap, you know, or tap into. The the rise of nationalism worldwide, yes. and you can go back, uh, Orban in Hungary, uh, movements in Italy, uh, almost in France lately, uh, although it didn't Yeah, it's globally. Out. It's all around the world. It is global, but the one thing I always said was, okay, in and, and not that I agree with nationalism. I think it's ridiculous that we assign some sort of dedication and emotional tradition to to imaginary boundaries that this is a country and you're French and you're Hungarian, you're mm-hmm. Italian. Um, but but you could almost understand it in Europe where these are the French, these are the Italians, these are the Czechs, these are the Hungarians. But in the United States and Canada, we're, we're made up of people from somewhere else. No, I know. It's, it's, I don't even understand how nationalism rises in the United States when, when it's you built your, your whole premise on, on this melting pot or mosaic or whatever it is. Think about the Statue of Liberty. It says, give us your tired and poor brain. Come on in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, well, and oops, we made a mistake on that. Yeah. We were kidding. We have, um, now, now we're like, we've got this. Now we got to build more walls. Uh, but it, it is ever since Trump came down the the escalator, all of this has been given a voice, and as Fred said, almost a tacit permission. That's because the three word, of yeah. us are around the same age. I spent most of my life not. We spent most of our lives not really seeing this. Yeah, the KKK. They were over there. They were cute, and there were some movies we saw. But now it's like the the the. Well, not the word pain fealty, but the fact that it's just now taken for granted that, yeah, those are that's those those are people in our society. And everybody has the ability to uh, organize and assemble. Yes. Uh, uh, like minded people. 
And yes, that's a lot, a lot easier than it used to be. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and you can mobilize that. You very easily mobilize them as well these days. And the scary thing is, we, it's like there's another wave coming. Because this asshole may end up as president again. I mean, yeah. that's conceivable. Oh, yeah. yeah. It really is. And again... I, or his evil the, mini-me, the DeSantis. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's yeah. there's a few others. DeSantis and mm-hmm. Cruz, all sons and, of, and daughters of immigrants. And it's such a small world and nowadays. And again, media and social media and all those things, how... You know, that was a great example of a guy citing his Second Amendment rights. I mean, often I see that it's stuff by Canadians. It's like they don't even know who they are or what yeah. they are or what we are or what our they don't even know what our system is. All they know is they like the sound of freedom. Um, Larry Fedorik, uh, you are hosting a, a program called Later That Same Life. Yes. Uh, and I wanted to just move to a different subject. Same, but different. You know, one of the things that. When these things come up in the States, and I've said this to Fred a bunch of times, the Americans seem immature to me. And what I mean by that is, like, are you still talking about a woman's right to choose the domain over her own body? To me, that just seems, what it is, it's two things. It's immature, and it's religion, and it kind of gets caught up in what we're talking about. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, I understand on later that same life, your next episode is about Roe v. Wade. It is about Roe v. Wade, and I touched on it in this latest, the, the, the episode Roe v. Wade is coming up this Thursday, but my, the one that's out now, it's called I Hate My Neighbors, or it's actually called The Neighbors. And uh, my neighbors are loud, obnoxious, they trespass, they're always fighting, and they have a dog that won't stop barking. <laughs> the dog's name is Donald Trump, and my neighbors are the United States of America. And I, mm-hmm. I did, you know, this, some of the stuff we talked about is my latest podcast, I, I, I really just came to the point where I don't like my neighbors. Yeah. I, ju- I just find them for many of the reasons you said. And, and, and I touched on Roe versus Wade in, that, in this podcast, and then I expanded on it in the next one. But it's a 50-year-old, uh, highly discussed, constitutionally vetted law on the American books for 50 years that the justices voted seven to two uh, to to put into law 50 years ago, and now we're changing it. And it was also um, strengthened, if you will, in ni- I think 92 in, a, in a, another precedent case. Mm-hmm. All that is going to disappear in the next three or four weeks, potentially. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, I'm, I'm a little confused about a couple things, and you just touched on it then, because one of the things I keep hearing is it was never codified or codified. But I, I, I'm not sure what, in what way was it not the law of the land, because I thought and assumed you did, too, that it was the law of the, of the land. But there's some way that they're going to be able to take it off that because it's not in the Constitution and then put it on to the states where they're going to make it impossible. See, I'm, I'm confused in there as well, because in 1992, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, and I don't know the whole case, but this was. This was a precedent on a precedent for Roe versus Wade, and it cited the 14th Amendment. Okay. The 14th Amendment of the Constitution basically says the states cannot take away rights that you enjoy as an American citizen. Okay. Which makes sense. So I'm an American citizen. I have these rights, according to the Bill of Rights in the Constitution. An individual state can't say, well, no, you don't. 
you can't do that here. I thought the Supreme Court did that. I did too, but again, I'm a bit confused on it. And they, the current justices are saying the 14th Amendment was misinterpreted back in, in 73 and in, in 92. I don't understand how it was misinterpreted, but they're saying it is. Are you and, saying that those dunderheads back in the 70s didn't, didn't know what they were doing? Those Supreme Court. Supreme and, and Court the, dunderheads. The, 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 what, what I sort of found is it, it, that I that I didn't really understand, and it's the same in Canada, in that the the Justice Department, the governments make the law, and the laws are the law because of that. And then as the laws are challenged, that's when they get to Supreme Court, and Supreme Court rules uh-huh. on the law. Okay. They don't actually make the law. And you touched on it a bit, Howard. The thread through this, even the racial stuff, and now this abortion stuff, it's religion. Of course. And again, it just it, it just magnifies the evil that is religion. And we often say, you know, faith is a wonderful thing if you have it within yourself and it works for you. But this whole religious movement, these evangelicals, these are evil, evil people. And even up here, again, I say up here, I mean, I can point to a guy, a guy we used to have on our show, deeply religious. He's just an evil fucker. He puts on his Twitter page the other day that the vaccine causes AIDS. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just just to throw wow. shit out there that's evil. And he'll look you in the eye and tell you, you know, Jesus Christ Almighty, I'm a religious man. And it all comes from this as well. And that is scary. I mean, the United States has a major, major religion issue, too, right now. Because oh, it's right. through Trump and allowed to raise its ugly head as well. And I think, you know, we've all long tired of pointing out the inconsistencies, the dichotomy, the bullshit, you know, the whatever, the how you, you elected one of the most horrible people ever and the religious right embraced him. Uh, the hypocrisy. But I said this to Fred, Larry, and I want to see what you think of it. A couple weeks ago, when this started to come up again, I said, you know, this isn't 50 years ago, and this isn't 1992. This is 2022 women. And one of the reasons that all the Republicans want to talk about is the leak, the leak, the Supreme Court leak. And I had audio last week, Larry, of everyone, McConnell, and they don't want to talk about the, they don't want to talk about it because the, even the Republicans know that you are now going to see, I think we're going to see an unprecedented response from women in 2022, the likes of which we never seen before. Because, and I say this respectfully, these bitches ain't going to take it. You know what I mean? This isn't going to, my daughters, women, I tell you, my daughters, the, the, the generation of 27 and 24 year olds, they are not going to stand for this. And that protest outside of Brett Kavanaugh's place, that is just the fucking beginning. There is going to be a wave of, of, of upheaval that is going to maybe, I don't think it will, but it will definitely impact these midterms. What say you? Well, I, I love that. What you just said, I agree with it. The one of the things that the women's uh, women and their allies demonstrations had over the weekend was they were also registering people to vote. Oh yeah, which was brilliant because here's the thing: uh, just in case you didn't vote, we're going to we're going to meet you at the ballot box on this issue. Uh, when I was researching the Roe v. Wade uh, story, uh, just before Roe v. Wade went to the Supreme Court in '71. 46 to 41 percent Americans against abortion after the decision within months it was like 52 to 40 in favor of abortion uh, 2022 
it's something like 68%, yeah. it's, almost, it's 70%, high six, almost 70% are pro-choice, are against the reversal yes. of Roe v. Wade. And, it, and I've heard some numbers even a little higher, possibly. So there it is. There it is. And as, as one woman said on the weekend, this is affecting the majority of the population of the United States. It's a key. It's a key point. It, There's it, more women than men. Yeah, it can, can right because yeah, of all that. It's. I. I agree. It's. It's going to be. Uh, it's going to be a backlash. Could be a disaster in the midterms for the Republicans. That's right. It can back uh, to bite them in the ass. I was reading an article on the weekend again. You know, a good voter turnout in the United States is what, 53, 54 percent or something sure. like that? Yeah. They were talking about all these women now that all have been awakened to this <laughs> issue. Yes. And how many have boyfriends and husbands that maybe not traditionally would even bother to vote because that's almost half of America saying, you, hey, asshole, you better get out and vote against these bastards oh, yeah. on this on this issue alone. So let's see what happens. Larry, that's uh, I'm going it, to it, it's not it's women and their allies. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and if see, again, one thing that does give me hope is that most people aren't what we're talking about. Seventy percent of Americans are in favor of Roe v. Wade. And that word you use, Fred, they've been awakened because for most of their adult lives, this has not been an issue. And it started to get some fuckery out there in Texas, and you can see what's happening at the state level. But I just know, uh, again, from my my own experience, the 27 and 24-year-old female is not to be disturbed. You do not want them starting to post shit about you. Like, I I saw some stuff from Mitch McConnell talking about the leak, and I'm Mm -hmm. like, Mitch, these women are coming for you in a way you have not anticipated. Mm -hmm. And that's why they're trying to pivot away from the issue, because they've already heard from their daughters and their friends and their wives. They're like, really? This is, you're going to pick this scab again and howard yes it's pretty easy to suppress the vote for black people in poor areas yeah how do you suppress the white affluent educated woman how do you suppress that vote fellas yeah and and you don't and and it's and 50 years means that generally speaking uh, women i would probably guess the majority of women of a conception age have had this all their lives. This mm-hmm. has always been the rule. Yes. This is the way it works. And suddenly you're going back in time. I called it, I, I called it the uh, uh, time machine. Uh, the, the Americans feel they have a, they've invented a time machine yeah. and they're not interested in the future, only the mm-hmm. past. And the time machine is called the Supreme Court of the United States. Mm-hmm. You know, that's also yeah, very well, interesting. Well, it's a time machine in so many ways because you'd think... Now think about the, what we've talked about. You'd think that the whole world of the KKK would be a thing in the past. It's not. Right. You'd think that, you know, women having the right... I, again, I sometimes I feel sort of dumb even saying it out loud. How is it that we're even having... That's why I said to you, <laughs> I find them immature. How are we having that conversation? You know, but, but I think what I... I I'm going to say it again. I think they are a little bit worried over there in GOP land because they're like, wait a minute, we, did, we didn't, maybe we didn't think about it, but now they're going to think about it between now and the uh, fall, that this may not have been the, uh, the hill they wanted to get back up on. I, uh, in researching the original story of, of who Jane Roe was, um, I, I found that ever since it was passed in 73, or the, the ruling came in 70, January of 73, 
there have been rumors that a conservative court would one day overturn yep, Roe. Absolutely. Roe. So, so it has, in some ways, it has. It's there. It's the law, but it's also been part of the discussion. Oh, wait, one day. And I've mm-hmm. also heard that that was that was Trump's raison d'être. From I heard these discussions in 2015. Because uh, he got three Supreme Court nominations. That's high for a one-term president. I know. To load the court with conservative judges who are going to interpret the law in, in a way that is going to reverse Roe v. Wade. And calling it, they, they, they're worried about the Democrats packing the court. What did Trump do? He totally, uh, he totally uh, did these. And, and though these justices are vetted uh, through committees and hearings and meetings, um, they, they say whatever they need to say to get onto the court. Uh, Roe v. I mean, um, uh, well, what's his name? The beer swilling. Brett guy. Kavanaugh. Yeah. Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh. He he basically said it's it's the law. Uh, it's the you know it's in the courts. It's the law. And now he's probably going to be one of the ones voting to reverse it. It's it's crazy. Yeah, I think they're making yeah. a huge mistake. So I'll yeah. say it until they. I, I think they really are. Larry Fedoric, uh, as we play some of the great songs from 1973. <clears throat> oh, yeah. It's humble. This, you know, if, if things had worked out differently, it could have been humble Larry and Fred. You know, you don't know. Well, that could have been a show. I'm still time. I'm available. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every once in a while when we're doing these little transition songs, I'll, I'll try and hit the post. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit rusty. Uh, Larry Fedoric wants you to listen to his podcast later that same life. Uh, the latest one is about uh, what we're talking about today, Fred Roe v. Wade. And uh, will we hear you in Kitchener uh, anytime soon? Uh, so a really quick story. When I started filling in there, the producer and the board producer, I hit it off with them instantly. Tremendous people. The day later, they were fired. Of course. Jesus. And, and two reporters. And they did a big cut down. So the show that I was filling in on got eliminated. The time slot. So chances are, uh, <laughs> the answer is no. Long answer, probably not for a while. Oh, that's too bad. No one deserves it more than you. Larry, we'll uh, look forward to having you back on our show anytime, my right. friend. Anytime. I love you guys. Thank love you. you guys. Thank you, Larry. Very was, much. Uh, you know who he was, uh, Fred? That's our Gig Sky guest gig. of the day. I'll huh? tell you right now, if you haven't got Gig Sky yet, you should. Because they offer a 100% data plan. All your uh, data is there, whether it's uh, FaceTime, looking up a map. Gig Sky's got you covered, and now so do we. With uh, $5 off your first plan at gigsky.com. Enter the code HF2022 for more information. And, of course, uh, travel rewards are huge for people, especially with inflationary pressures. You can get up to 50% cash back in over 850,000 hotels globally and reduced rates on rental cars. And you can even book your theme park adventure. I'll say that sentence again. Theme park adventure. Gigsky.com and the promo code HF2022. Ah. The retirement Sherpa. What a man. What a man. Tim Niblett is the portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Tim will be by on Wednesday with more wisdom about your future and the future, you know, of the markets and the world at large. He's got a great perspective on things and how it affects, you know, your investments, how you're preparing for your retirement. I mean, he covers all bases, you know these online things that you can do your investment apparently to get around you know the service fees nonsense you need a guy with perspective to keep you in check 
let you know exactly what are the right moves, what are the wrong moves, and why. That's the Retirement Sherpa, Tim Niblett, retirementsherpa.ca. know you're not uh, up to date or uh, aware really of uh, what Bob Weeks and I were talking about last week. I know you know there's some stuff going on, the rival league, etc. and the PGA Tour, all that stuff, but uh, it is significant and I wanted to share this with you, you know, casual observer of the sport of golf, but this was a pretty big story on the weekend. The defending champ, Pion, in the PGA championship ship which is one of the four majors in golf being played this weekend. And the defending champion made a statement this past weekend. He will not be playing in the tournament this week. And it's uh, pretty unprecedented for uh, especially a major. And that's Phil Mickelson, who has been absent from the tour for the last couple of months. Uh, working on his personal thing. He's lost billion, millions of dollars in sponsorship. Because he has sort of aligned himself with this new league and some remarks he made to a reporter about a book that's coming out, I think, in the next couple of weeks, basically criticizing the Saudis. Remember, these are the people that had that reporter killed and dismembered. Khashoggi, I think it was his name. And yeah, there's some hypocrisy surrounding, you know, why is it okay to support, you know, some companies that have sketchy human rights Records, let's say, but I, I I heard it put this way. It's a big. It's one thing to go play in a country that has human rights issues, like you play a tournament in, like because there's been a tournament in Saudi Arabia on the European tour for years. But it's one thing to play in that country. It's another thing to play for that country. And the players that would be playing on this new tour would, in effect, be playing for the country of Saudi Arabia. So anyway, it is uh, it is big news in the world of golf that Phil will not be playing this week. Hmm. Well, he could just go fuck his hat. Tiger will be playing, though. He's only got one leg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tiger's only got the one good leg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to be playing a tournament. Actually, I have a practice round Friday and a tournament Saturday and Sunday, so I will not watch any of the PGA Championship which is a bit weird for me because I would like to, but of the four majors, it's the one that I care the least about. Yeah. And why is that? I don't know. It doesn't have quite the same value. I don't know. It's hard to describe. Obviously, the first one is the Masters, and then it sort of is a toss-up, the uh, the U.S. Open or the Open Championship, and then this one. But mm-hmm. it is uh, interesting. I'll tell you what, this league is getting more and more... You know, talk in the press and such. By the way, before I forget, have you seen the America commercial? Did you watch it? Have you seen it? I, I was going to ask you about it. Him and the guys doing it's a it's a Microsoft Teams commercial where they're all pretending really. to be. Yeah, no. Anyways, I know I changed subject there quickly. I just remembered it. Mm-hmm. Uh, here comes Tim Daniels, everybody. Right on. Anyway, it's big news, and uh, yeah, I don't know when he's going to start, when he, then, when he will play again or where he will play again, but if, I'll tell you what, if he leaves the PGA Tour, that's going to be huge. That will be huge, people. I wholeheartedly agree. You don't even care. I try and care about what you care about. 
Yeah, it only took you about 20 years, so. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That is funny. No, no, it's interesting what you say, because, again, it sort of mirrors. (laughs) I like watching major golf tournaments down the stretch. Sure. The the stories behind and the structure, uh, like, I really don't have any interest in it, because it doesn't mean anything to me. You know, no, I know. That's actually your, it's very true what you said. It only took me 20 years to start caring about your team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tell you what, back in, uh, back in the old Moose Jaw days, I guess I was in grade 12, he was in grade 10, I was in grade 11, he was in grade 9, and then, uh, you know, when you're in grade 9, it's like, who's this punk? And then, well, he grew up to be a super a superstar of capital markets and mining and of course he's the man behind health gauge he's tim daniels live from florence look how you look all rested today what's going on with you you know uh, i spent the weekend at uh, an amusement park here with my kids um, <laughs> what and so i got a little, little bit of sun and <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of funny because um no, it's their version of, of Disney. So instead of like Mickey Mouse, you got Michelangelo Mouse, and you know, so it's this cheap rip off of Disney. But the one thing they get right is the lines. Just everywhere you go, it's like an hour line up to, to get on any of the rides and so on. So, and what, so what's that the part of it they figured out? <laughs> what's the place called? It's called Garda Land, and it's actually the uh, the largest amusement park in in Italy, and it's. Uh, it's on uh, uh, Lago de Garda, a, a big lake in northern Italy, which is a real beautiful setting. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they've they've attempted uh, uh, their idea of a, a Disneyland type park, and it it is misses the mark just a little bit. <laughs> it's called. And it, it, how far from uh, where you live in Florence is it? Uh, it's about a two-hour drive, a two-and-a-half-hour drive. And uh, to, to remind everyone, what are the ages of your kids? Um, seven and five. Yeah. yeah. I see. There you go. There's a guy. Just getting into, you know, <laughs> just, I just love the fact that he's like, Fred's got grandchildren that age, but you're <laughs> there you are, old Timmy hanging out there holding hands in the hot sun. I know. It's a... Uh, It'll either keep me young or kill me. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's a good thing you had your health gauge watch. Right <laughs> it's a good thing you had your watch. You're like, what is my temperature right now? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're right about that. But um, how many steps good. did you get in yesterday? I, uh, you know, it, it, far fewer than you think because it's it's. You, you know, you put in uh, uh, a few hundred steps, and then you stand in an hour-long line to get on the next ride. So, <laughs> so throughout the course of the day, you do a lot of standing around, not so much walking. So. Speaking of which, last week I go golfing, and I like to walk the course. But we had this place we went, you had to take a cart. So yeah. we take the cart, and after 18 holes, I look at my watch, and I'm at 10,000 steps. And I'm saying, that tells you all you need to know about my golf game. What? Doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. 10,000 steps in a cart? With a cart. I, I can't explain <laughs> it. Well, I was doing yeah. <laughs> Was it cart path only? Yeah. <laughs> uh, part of it, and, you know, just getting out and walking. Although, I'll park the cart and walk to a ball instead of just drive right up to walking it. Walking yeah. right up beside it because i figure if i have to use a cart uh you know i want to get some walking in but still i thought wow that's a guy chasing a ball that's a guy getting out of his cart a lot more than the average uh, golfer (laughs) i mean i just i i refuse to golf at a course that won't let me walk because 
I, I mean, I'm just such a bad golfer that I, I can't even begin <laughs> to take it seriously. And so if, if I'm not at least out there getting some exercise, what, what's the point? Is, I know it's not about the score. So uh, <laughs> Exactly. Uh, I, I'll tell you what, you know, I'm, I walk most of the time. I mean, coming in July and, you know, June, July, those days it feel like 40, I'm not going to walk. But I until I had the watch, and this is true, I never really considered – I, I, I never, I didn't have any. I never had a Fitbit. I didn't have an Apple Watch, and it wasn't until I got to Phoenix that I even considered steps in general. But I, I've done that a couple times, Fred, when I did take a cart mm-hmm. recently, just checking how many steps. And I'm being honest with you; it's half that many. Oh, I, I would imagine I do eleven. Sure. I do eleven thousand steps if I walk, and about fifty five hundred if I take a cart. Well, remember, I'm getting out of the cart. You know, a lot more than you are, right? <laughs> Maybe. Well, yeah. Be, well, you know, if you drive at three hundred and I drive at one hundred and fifty, there's an extra one right there, Howie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I wanted to segue now into why this is so important. Besides counting your steps on the golf course, but there's a whole movement, and it's been going on for some time. And what what the Health Gauge has done is it's sort of taken the movement of people keeping track of their fitness through a watch to a different level, which is not just keeping track of your fitness, Tim. It's being keeping track of your health metrics in so many different categories. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and on, uh, you know, I know you like to keep the show light, but on a far more serious note, uh, late last week, a good friend of ours, who's only 67, had a serious stroke here in Florence, um, she's in the hospital. Um, she's recovering, but it's going to be a long, slow recovery. And uh, and of course, one of the uh, the major uh, uh, factors into um, uh, into stroke is high blood pressure, and, and oftentimes. High blood pressure goes, you know, undiagnosed, and uh, um, and that may have been the case in, in in her case. We're not sure about that, but uh, but more often than not, that is one of the the, the biggest single contributing factors. Um, and uh, and and so you know, just strapping something like this on will will at least give you at least give you that that head start, that fighting chance to 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 recognize that. Hey, you know, my numbers aren't quite what they should be. Maybe I should be doing something, you know, a little more exercise, lose a few pounds, get to see my get in to see my doctor, get on some meds if I need to or, you know, whatever the case is. Um, And uh, and maybe that would have made a difference in her case. And I guess we'll never know. But uh, um, but, you you know, like I said, this is. This is this is more than just a, a gimmick, more yeah. than just a toy. This I was going to say, you make know, a difference to your well-being. We've all been. I think there were commercials in Canada when we were younger, but I'm sure you've heard. You know, this is the silent killer. Yeah. Uh, and one of the reasons it is is because if you're not, if there's no ongoing monitoring of your health situation, how would you know if your blood pressure was subtly starting to rise? I mean, the That's fact it. is, you know, I don't know about you, Freddie, but I'm not like other than you know we're talking about the steps. I don't obsessively look at all my vitals every day, but you know, like uh, you know, I came out of a class yesterday morning. I just wanted to check my blood pressure. I wanted to check my heart rate. You know, seeing if it, it got elevated during the. I mean, I mean, but I think having access to this now is more critical, especially as we age. Because as you said, your friend, you know, who knows? I mean, if they'd had some access to an ongoing rise over time, you might then take a step and go to your doctor and go, "Is this is this good for me?" Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. You know, I went golfing twice last week, and the second time it was in Ca- uh, a place called Callan and Country Club, and I had forgotten how hilly it was. So me and my son said, can we walk? And the guy said, sure, if you want to. Anyway, during that front nine, it was about 28 degrees. It, it, uh, I'm not going to say I was showing my age, but it really got to me. It got to the point where... You line up to take a shot. You're exhausted from walking up that hill. That yeah. Just behind, you know what I mean? So, but you know what? The watch kept warning me that I was overheating. Did it really? Yes. Yeah. It vibrates and shows a temperature gauge. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? The way I feel right now and this watch telling me that, hey, my body temperature is a little hot or I'm overheated. Um yeah. I better think about what I'm doing here. So after nine, I did the responsible thing. And I went up and I said, can I rent a card for the back nine? The guy said, sure. He says, I, I'm not surprised you won't to, uh, given the, what this course is like. Wow. So, yeah, the back nine, I uh, I used a, um, a card and a lot of it had to do with this thing. I thought you were going to say yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. You know, for, for me, the only time my watch has ever given me any warnings was over Christmas when I had COVID. And right. uh, uh, in the middle of the night, all of a sudden started buzzing at me. Same thing, telling me that uh, I was running a temperature, which sure enough, I was. And and I was delighted, not not with running a temperature, but with the fact that, that this thing warned me. And and, uh, and and I thought, hey, this is really cool. This, this thing really uh, is useful. <laughs> well, so if you're, if you're looking to monitor all these, go ahead, Fred. I'll, I'll finish up. No, I was just going to say, if I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, you know, priorities. If I'm going to die during a sporting event, I'd rather be maybe in a hockey rink than a golf course. But, hey, that's. I thought you were going to say you. You know, it's I, here under there. I, I, I'm, I thought maybe you're going to say I'd rather die watching the Leafs. Actually, what, here's what's well, going to happen: the Leafs are going to get past the first round, and then you'll expire. If you're trying to keep track of your blood pressure, your oxygen saturation, your heart rate, mm-hmm. pulse wave velocity, and so much more, uh, as you know, we've been uh, recommending this now for some time. Healthcage.com, humble Fred HG for fifteen percent at checkout. Uh, we're going to let you go. Uh, are you good in about uh, 45 minutes or so? Uh, tomorrow would be better for me if, if you can. All right. Let me see tomorrow. About 9.45 my time tomorrow. Can you do that? All right, pal. Timmy, thanks very much, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Tim, stay strong. Right on. Remember, you wanted to have babies again, and this is what's happening. <laughs> you are you are better than we are because we could not do that at least fred can be around his kids he gets to give them back i gotta go find my walker now <laughs> thanks my friend there's tim daniels later gents florence italy spending the weekend with his babies at an amusement park wondering what his what his retired friends are doing oh man i don't know how he does it man and, you know, the thing is, it's not like, I mean, he's been married to uh, Mrs. Daniels. I met her, Sanka. She's beautiful. Uh, it's not like, you know, she's 30 years his junior. I mean, they're, I mean, she's a little younger than him, but they had babies later. And, uh, and you know, it's great. It's just, you know, it's a lot of work. You forget what it's, well, you, you know, it's being around a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. You know, I can't be yeah. a lot. It's a lot of work each and every day. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly is. Uh, Speaking of uh, ages, it is uh, Mrs. Patterson's birthday today. Yes. 
Amazing. Delicious Delice. I love Aww. the next two months, right? She's older than me for the next two months. Yeah. Like the number the number is different. <laughs> I enjoy it. No, I know you do. Mm-hmm. I um, always say, hey, doll, how old are you? <laughs> she lo- you know what? She loves that kind of stuff. Yeah, she does. As of today, she goes, I'm 66. And I'll say, oh, I'm only 65. Mm-hmm. You're like, hey. Every year, every mm-hmm. year. Yeah. You're like, hey, doll, you want to do it with a younger man? She goes, yes, I do, every time. <laughs> <laughs> every goddamn time. Uh, how are you fixed over there, Fred, for... Um, some other uh, messages? Well, you know, our friends at Bowdog, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bowdog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook, and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book. They've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Now that the Maple Leafs are off the table, I mean, you know, you can still wager on what's left of the NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs, or game to game to game with uh, Major League Baseball. It's all there, all the major sports, and much beyond that as well, as I just told you, with their uh, horse racing and their uh, poker room, all that stuff. Fantastic. That's Bodog. I got uh, my fourth uh, shot. Mm-hmm. Dan, how many shots have you had? I'm at three. Excellent. But I'm planning on getting my fourth probably in the next week or so. Have you ever had any um, reaction at all, either of you guys? No. A little, yeah, not really. Sore in the area, tired. Because I, uh, I only had, I had a reaction to the very first one where my arm got sore for a few days. But it was weird. From the moment I got the needle, almost, I would say pretty close to instantly, but within a few minutes, my shoulder was sore and it just got sorer through the, like it did like the first couple of days, Thursday, Friday, it was fucking, it went re, it's still a bit sore now. I don't know, maybe it was just in the wrong part of my muscle or, or something, but that is the extent of my reaction. I mean, I didn't feel fluish or weird. It's just my arm hurt all weekend. No, I've been lucky through all four as well, other than a tiny bit of soreness the last time. And, you know, because it could be a lot worse, Howard. Oh, yeah. Reaction to the vaccine. You know that. And again, you may find this obsessive. Tell me if you think I'm a little too obsessed with Richard Surratt. But the only reason I am is because he's a guy we had on our show. And I thought, what a nice, pleasant guy Richard is. And then the more we got to know him and about him, the scarier it became. So every so often, you know, he does a show on that shithole radio station in Mississauga called Saga 960. Mm -hmm. Um, So every so often I Google to see what is whacked out fucking disturbed show is about on any given day but anyway then one of his tweets comes up he retweets this official government of canada data is truly terrifying it suggests the triple vaccinated have developed aids Mm -hmm. and are now five times more likely to die of covid uh, than the unvaccinated so this is the stuff he's putting out there this is the stuff that Richard Surrett, the guy that was on our show, is putting out there for the uh, general population to digest. And, of course, it's a picture of uh, uh, Justin Trudeau, who he hates uh, passionately. He loves Donald Trump, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yes, but, yes. But 
think about that. Like, you actually sit behind your computer and you sh- you shoot this out to the world that the vaccination is causing AIDS. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I uh, I mean, I'll, I just got a sore shoulder. But I mean, maybe is that, I don't know. Is that the first <laughs> sign? Is that? I don't know. Man. Anyway, and I'll take it one step further, and I'll tell you I did this. So. You know, always wanted great conversation on the show. I sent him an email and I said, hey, Rich, I just saw your thing about AIDS. I didn't take a, sla- a, a, a shot at him or anything. I said, that's fascinating stuff. You've got to come on the show and talk about it. And of course, he got back to me. Sorry, Fred. You know, I got to get the kids off to school. And, you know, the timing isn't right for me in the morning. Of course, it used to be when we promoted his show. So he could always find the time to be on our show. Mm-hmm. But like a, a, a lot of these right wing whack job evil bastards. You know, they don't like to be confronted. They don't they don't like to be asked logical questions, so hmm. they avoid. Here, Here's a one. Uh, another one he retweeted. I'm not. And basically, it's a picture of a, a white woman holding a white baby. And it said, um, I'm not sure who created this, but kudos to her. Real women protect babies. Isn't that something? Oh, yeah. This is That's, this is the I guy know. that was on our show. Oh, I know. And of course, he's promoting the new blue party and, and such. And. Uh, Anyhow, uh, one other thing he puts here, too, despite a disease that disproportionately affects the elderly, Canada's millennials and young people experienced the highest levels of excess mortality in the last two years. And the excess mortality accelerated in the second half of 2021. So the vaccine, forget about that little sore arm. It's also killing our children. Oh, yeah. Well, so many of them have died. So many. Half a dozen. Well, that's the thing about the anti-vaxxers, as I said a couple of weeks ago, like. You know, I know lots of people that got COVID, lots and lots in our family, in our in our world. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't I didn't get to know any uh, people that got vaccinated and died. Uh, but the anti-vaxxers seem to have so many of them have perished. I think it's because they know anti-vaxxers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the bottom line is I'm going to keep getting boosted and vaxxed so and put the fucking thing in my eyeball because oh, yeah. uh, I've been lucky. You've been lucky, Dan. We None of us have gotten sick. We've been careful or something. Well, I think a little bit of both. But I mean, I'm not anymore. I, I'm not. I'm less careful than I was a month ago, and I will be less careful a month. I'm sure I will. I've stopped wearing masks in most places except grocery stores and walking into a restaurant to pick up food. Well, the numbers are doing well. So, and again, there may be a wave in the in the yeah. in the fall. Who knows? We'll deal with it at the time. But you know, you and I and Dan, you know, having worked in the media for years and years, our sort of web of or network of uh, acquaintances and people we know is wider than the average person. Would you not? Yes, Is that not yes. I agree yes. with that. Yes, yes. that's yes. not yes. That, that's not a far assumption. It's not exaggeration. Um, do you know anybody that's? Other than a little bit weird the next day with the vaccine, vaccination has had a problem with it. Anyone? I any, don't. Anyone? No. Either do I. I. The worst I've heard, and this is a, somewhere in the last couple of weeks, a guy our age's kid mm-hmm. who's around my daughter's age got a little bit fluey and sick and, and uh, didn't feel well for a while. But that's the extent of it. This is the worst reaction I've heard. Mm-hmm. So, and I heard the same thing from about Lisa's sons. But mm-hmm. one of them, one of them had my girlfriend Lisa. She has uh, they're in their late twenties, early thirties, and the same thing. We're a little bit fluish on yeah. whatever. The what do, what do they call you? Do they call you Uncle Dan, Papa Dan? <laughs> 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 I 
Yeah. <laughs> big man Dan. Hey, Ding. Big Dan. Big Dan. There's Big They're Dan. They're very nice guys. I'm so sure they sweet. are. But great. after all we what we've all been through, and how, for the most part, well over 90% of us has worked together to get on the other side of this thing, what is to be served by putting it out to the public that it can cause AIDS, other than to freak some people out? Like, why would you do that? Like, To why? keep the torch going. You know, it's to keep this whole thing like it's losing momentum because, you know, things are not locked down anymore and, you know, it doesn't seem as a big of a deal. But, hey, why why wouldn't we take you? Well, here's why you wouldn't take the vaccine. Yeah, <laughs> here's I, the latest. <laughs> I wouldn't even know what to And I listen, I had a lot, a lot more private conversations with him than you did. And I've been friendly with him for a long time. But I don't know how we would have a discussion now without it getting elevated because it's just so nonsensical and it's so religious based and it's so Mm -hmm. white supremacy and it's I don't give a shit Mm -hmm. I I just don't have the energy for it not saying that you do but oh but obviously I do you have more energy for it than I do that we had him on the show. Right. Well, it disturbs me on two. Number one, we used to have him on the show, and I had a completely wrong read on the guy, which is fine. That's going to happen. Yeah. It's just, but it gets back to what we were talking about with Larry. It's that, you know, we like to think we're sitting up here sort of detached from what's going on in the States. But, you know, this guy's a disciple. He He's a Canadian disciple. Mm-hmm. For that movement in the state, states, because so much he's often referring to 45 as hero being Trump. Jesus. Trump was right. And he never has a word to say about Ukraine or Putin. Never. It's funny. Yeah, never, I know. Has, yeah. never has a, a, a disparaging word. He, you know, he, he cares about other stuff like how Trudeau is a dictator. Yeah. There's another thing. Joe Rogan. He can go fuck himself, too. Um let me just say this, though. I, I don't understand. I can't. I, I still I will. Again, I don't know if you guys know. I've read some books about Trump. Mm-hmm. I still can't get my head around this concept that that guy, that Donald Trump guy is a hero to these people. And Richard Surrett's mm-hmm. not stupid. You can say what you want about the guy, <clears throat> but he ain't dumb. But somehow or another, this multiple divorced. And remember, Richard's very religious. Multiple mm-hmm. divorced, paid for porn stars. Who who knows what else somehow is a better president than than we seem to understand? I don't know how that happens. It's Donald fucking Trump. That's like saying Ryan Seacrest is the president. Not that Ryan Seacrest is a bad guy. I'm just saying, I was like, this guy from TV was the president, and they want him to be president again. Mm-hmm. And quickly, I just mentioned, I should explain that Joe Rogan, on, uh, apparently last week on one of his shows, talking about Trudeau, saying what an asshole he is because he's such a dictator through the Emergencies Act. And right, it's like, yeah. you want to talk about uninformed? Just shut up. You don't know what you're talking about, dickwad. Shut up. Okay. And he has one of the most popular fucking podcasts in the world, like bar none, and he's throwing that shit out there? Okay. All right. Well, um, let's just uh, move on from this. Uh, yes, Dan. Oh, I was going to say, uh, we were talking earlier in the show about We Kings. Yes, sir. There was a couple of questions that I was stumped on, and the show came to a grinding halt. Yes, what was that? Uh, Well, one is the term for for We Kings. Yes. Uh, Canada's wheat farmers and grain growers were known as We Kings after the development of Marquis Wheat in 1904. Okay. That strain was specifically designed in engineer Marquis being, you know, uh, you know, sort of royal word. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, designed engineer for Canadians, uh, the, the, the short harvesting season in Canada. 
So it's surmised that without that development, there wouldn't be the West wouldn't have grown grown up as fast as it had because they had this. Hmm. The, this fantastic you know, wheat. bread basket of well, Canada, right? Uh, but again, but it's can always been confusing to me because the Brandon Wheat Kings are what I thought of as the Wheat Kings. But that area between Regina and Moose Jaw, one thing I do remember from my childhood is that stretch of a land is apparently amongst the best land for growing wheat on planet Earth. That's one, maybe oh. one of the reasons they were called the Wheat Kings because of that stretch there. Yeah. I thought that area between uh, Vagina and your hoo-ha was, was called taint. taint. That's right. That's right. That's where the original name of the song was called Wheat Taints. Taint Kings. Sorry. Taint you say vagina Kings. And hoo-ha, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Taints. Uh, was there? Other, there was a second fact you had, Dan. Before Paris, we did Paris of the Prairies. Yes, the Paris. Which which Paris was? You know, which one of those was the actual? Apparently, during the settlement of Western Canada in the late 1800s to the early 1900s, Western immigration agents were overselling their soon-to-be-settled towns because each of them was paid on a percentage of settle, uh, uh, settlers that they could attract to that town. So oh, they, interesting. You know, they did a little propaganda. So first of all, Winnipeg was the Paris of the Prairies. Oh. Huh. And oh. a lot of Winnipeggers think that in the song that that's the, it's being referred to as Winnipeg. However, so was Calgary, uh, built itself later on as the Paris. And also Saskatoon. Saskatoon is the one they're referring to, though, in the song. And there's a, there's a pamphlet out there that says the fastest growing city in the world, an astonishing modern miracle, the mm. eighth wonder of the British Empire. It is the largest city in the world for its age, the greatest example of town, city, and building in the world's history. That's your Paris. So Saskatoon was the Paris of the prairies, and Regina was the asshole of the prairies. <laughs> the sphincter yeah. of the prairies. Okay. All right, is there, is there still time for this? No. I hope Here's so. A fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Oh. Dandoran, the anchorman, comes to class for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dandoran, the anchorman's here. He's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is nice and low. My voice is nice and low. Cursing during your commute again. Do you find yourself living at work instead of working from home? Couldn't this have been an email? When it feels like all that's left is work hard, you know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Play free casino games, get poker tips, and check out the latest sports odds. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. And now, a man who grew up on the prairies... And has taken his act around the world and beyond. <laughs> Here's Humble and Fred's chief correspondent and anchor person, Don Daru. When guilt tripping isn't working, it's time to up your game in India. A couple are demanding that they had better have a son. They better have a grandson, a grandchild, very soon. They will sue their son for (laughs) $650,000 if his wife does not get pregnant within a year. Wow. My son has been married for six years, but they are still not planning a baby, according to the legal brief they filed in court. At least if we had a grandchild to spend time with, our pain will become bearable. 
couple uh, arrived at the uh, 650 grand idea for their investment in uh, the couple, the son, mm. for example, the lavish wedding, which included a five-star hotel, luxury car, honeymoon, in addition to paying for their son to become a pilot. Mm. Mm. They're in court tomorrow. Well, that's great. They've got that kind of time down. <laughs> yeah. That's a awesome. There, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Well, you know, you, you need a grandchild or two, like, apparently, in life, and that's what they're going for. Well, I, I, that's probably going to be a lot of fun the next time the family gets together. <laughs> it's like, hey, can, <laughs> it's like you, a- can you pass the non? Oh, you, you can assume me if I don't? <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, do, you have, right. do you have any other stories? Because we, I, I think we're all just a lot of ranting. Well, hang on. There's a, there's a cancer. Putin. Does he have it? Does God, I hope so. Have cancer. Hurry up and die, Putin, please. Rumor channels are hot with chatter, according to an oligarch that was uh, talking shit about Putin without knowing he was being recorded. Mm. Uh, he said in there, "We all hope that Putin dies from his cancer or in a coup to save Russia." And Christopher Steele, he wrote that uh, that dossier on Donald Trump, you know, the dossier, you know, Trump P tape and all that stuff. I, lo- I love that word, dossier. Dossier. Uh, certainly, <laughs> from what we're hearing for you. from. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Dan. Sorry, I love that word, a dossier. Fucking weirdo. So official. It's so fucking right. weird. Just go. Just go, Dan. <laughs> Today's word of the day. No, it's not even. It's just. Dossier. Uh, what about the story? Isn't the story that we're all praying to Jesus that Val- yes. Vladimir Putin gets fucking some kind of cancer where everything hurts? There's no. There's no drugs you can take. You just die in an excruciating ball of pain. Yeah, there's, but just. A- as, as just as he's dying, he just has just he just has musters enough strength to reach over and hit the button. <laughs> Boom! Yeah, By the I'm way, out. sorry, I don't know if you know how things work, but if you're dying, you know it's not like you have the button on your bedside table. <laughs> so he's and he can have he can have it there. <laughs> it's not like a fucking alarm clock. Just reach, reach over and hit snooze on the nuclear. Oh, I thought it was snooze. Sorry, world. <laughs> That's right. Oops. Oh, I was trying to snooze my alarm, my nuclear alarm clock. The <laughs> dossier, dossier, a dossier. What does the you dossier call it say? The report, but they choose to call it a dossier. Fuckers. Yeah, you... <laughs> anyway, <laughs> why, there's, why there's would they do lots... that? <laughs> there's lots of speculation. Yes, about what he actually has. It may be blood cancer, Fuck, according to the Ukrainian so. uh, Ukrainian propaganda machine. Uh, there's uh, also a bunch of videos that they're that are floating around out there. One was the the recent freedom. Uh, you know, thing the holiday they had recently, where he was sitting in on the yeah May 9th they have the big Freedom Day or some yeah, shit. That, so he had a blanket. He was you know, oh, a blanket he's on cold. his lap, covering because he, he was a blanket because his fucking cancer made him cold. Fucking yeah, cancer. And there was also uh, there's been video, videos floating around uh, on your Twitter sphere about his, little small snippets of his right hand shaking uncontrollably. Oh, the palsy! He's got palsy and cancer. So yeah, some, something like that. And also, there's a 12 minute meeting he had in front of a camera, and with his right hand, he was holding on to the desk for the entire 12 minutes. So yes. they're saying yeah, that, that may be. Fucking... Uh, a tell. Dan, what, what Fred's referring to is when I worked at the Moose Jaw Golf and Curling Club as a youth 
there was a guy who had the Parkinson's and it, it caused his right hand to shake. But it is the problem was it was it, it was some for some reason it was shaking near his dick. So every time we'd see him, it'd be like <laughs> like a jerking off motion. <laughs> so. Oh, let's make yeah. fun of the... Uh, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Oh, Vladimir, you're cold. Is it because your cancer hurts? <laughs> Fucker. Yeah. Do you, anyway. do you realize what a... Can you imagine if that... It came out today, there was a coup, and somebody, like, fucking took him out. How great that... How uplifting the next few days for the world would be. Like, how encouraging everything would be. Yeah, know, but man. would it change? I, I wonder if it's it would like if there's another. Is there like a standby nut bar in the wings? Well, ready well, to, you mean this? like a, a second line uh, center that's going <laughs> to step in if Putin gets waved out of the circle? Fred, he'll get it. Let's bring in somebody else, and they can fucking continue this nonsense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. The problem is, there's, it's so complicated. I was thinking about this on the weekend. That okay, so let's say this starts to wrap up at some point, like. Are we then just supposed to, like, are the Russian people that thought that there were Nazis in Ukraine, are they going to be, how are we ever going to get the truth to actual citizens? And that's like, now that's a complication because there's a certain percentage of the population there that believes that there are Nazis in Ukraine and that's why they're doing this. Like, it's all just so complicated. And, and, and And how do you believe anything anymore? Anyway. I know, I know, I know. When there's more than one version of the truth, that's what social mm-hmm. media has brought to us, is there's so many yeah. competing silos of facts. There's dossiers filled with facts. <laughs> the that, problem is it's that whole concept of uh, believing what you want. To yes. Believe, yeah, of course. And then clicking on those things and then being fed that, you know, uh, anything that supports your argument, your point of view. It's It's scary stuff. It's... And again, I guess that's the point of putting it out there that, you know, the vaccine causes AIDS. It's to solidify your argument. Well, from our wishful, our wishful thinking stance, uh, we're all hoping that, you know, the Russians who have been exposed to this propaganda for years is, uh, you know, (laughs) they they realize the game and what the game's all about as far as that Mm -hmm. goes. Mm -hmm. But that's not necessarily true. I mean, they could be buying, you know, like you have an opinion, you buy into it. Uh, into a, a stand and then it's really difficult to let that go so if you believe that there are Nazis in the Ukraine because of the propaganda machine it's going to be a tough get <laughs> oh yeah to it's tough to you do over you know I, I last guy read something this weekend that was scary Dan you might find this fascinating same with you dossier boy <laughs> that um there's there's a term for it which i forgot but about 10 years ago there was a point where it was kind of 50 50 which is bots versus people online Mm -hmm. but there there happened a point a few years ago after that where there was a where they they assume now that most of there's a, a higher percentage of bots and fake information then there are actual people interacting online now. Mm-hmm. I and so you think you're seeing, t- like I thought about myself, like I, and my Twitter is filled with people that hate the U.S. politically and golf. Mm-hmm. So, of mm-hmm. course, I see a lot of things. I click on stuff. And, of course, Twitter knows that I like to be titillated by people that have anti-Matt Gates things or they're talking about Marjorie Taylor Greene. But how do mm-hmm. I know? Because I don't check every one of those 
accounts. I just mm-hmm. follow them and go, oh, well, they're saying something that incites me. Or, mm-hmm. But that's a scary thought that we're basically interacting with you know, AI technology, Dan, and that the Terminator people are coming sooner than we thought. Yeah. Here's, here's an advantage we have to the three of us. And well, we're going to die soon. That's one big advantage. <laughs> people that have worked in the media, my, my first you know, response, my default, my whatever you want to call it, when I read something online or social media, I immediately look at the source. The vast majority Always. of people... A vast majority of people don't do that because they've never sort of been trained that way. We were trained to, hey, before you open that mic and say something, you better make sure it's true, Mm -hmm. right? But don't you think our... Go ahead. No, that's just where we come from. So the problem is most people, and again, and again, getting back to the vaccine causes AIDS, it's like somebody would click on that and go, what? You know, I read it there. It's got to be true. They wouldn't take the time to... You know, take it to the next level. Well, where did this come from? Or what? what is the source of this? Like, it's nonsense. Mm-hmm. No, it's just the, you know, they just, that's to them, that's the truth now. Well, from what I've seen, there is some, there is some hope in, uh, you know, the youth of today. Because I, I know that my son, he's he's not accepted as it comes across. They're pretty, you know, savvy well, as yeah. far as how. how sure. it, so hopefully that's, you know, mm-hmm. that, that dominates as things go forward and it you know fixes itself before the end of days well i'm gonna read you one last thing this came from uh rock star fucking wingnut ted nugent and uh here's where we're at politically now ted nugent uh, was on stage at trump's latest uh fuckhead rally he says i love you but i would love you more if you went out and just went berserk on the skulls of the democrats and the marxists and the communists evil mm-hmm. must be stamped out evil wow and that's all you got to know like there mm-hmm. that's where if if you're wondering why that guy targeted a area code or a postal code where there were going to be a high number of black people congregated Innocently going about their their lives, mm-hmm. that's where it comes from. Mm-hmm. I'd love you more if you went berserk on the skulls of the Democrats, Marxists, and communists. And in a way, you almost think, well, you know, what did you expect to happen? <laughs> no, but seriously, like, what do you expect when you've got, you know, it's easier to get a gun than, you know, it, it is to get an abortion. So. Mm-hmm. Funny, yeah, it's one one disgustingly unpatriotic country right now. Nobody cares about the country. Nobody cares about the end result. Nobody cares about the nation as a whole. It's, I was it's talking crazy. to my my son, my son Colton yesterday. Colton, about, uh, we were discussing all the mass shootings that go on in the states, and I said, "Well, you know, there's more than one mass shooting a day." Yeah. Mm. In the United States, and he didn't believe me, so I actually had to look up how many mass shootings there there have been so far this year, and it's 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 like you know probably about ten more. There's like forty a month, dude. Tell him uh, to look up this week. There was three mass shootings this weekend, three yeah. of them. 
you know, and again, that's why it's the whole, you know, divert attention. That's why the Republicans were diverting the attention from the issue of Roe v. Wade and talking about the, the issue was the leak in the Supreme Court. So mm-hmm. they're, they, they would rather talk about, you know, fetuses than all those people that got killed this weekend, actual, you know, mm-hmm. b- breathing human beings. M- those black people that were targeted by, a, how else to put it, by a religious fanatic, the same way that they would... You know, be opposed to religious fanaticism around the world, but there it is in the U.S. of A. It's a lot going on. I got to get my basement fixed, so <laughs> let's just figure it out and uh, you know go from there. Um, are do you, you going to try the Jif- Are you going to try the Jiffy app? Uh, if you say so, Dan. Do you have a second after the show? I can take it on my WhatsApp and show you where, what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, like do a tour? Sure. Can I do that with you? I lo- I'd love it. Uh, uh, I think Fred's got no time for this. He's yeah, got no, a lot of stuff. He's got well, dossier. I don't know what I'd be looking at. No, exactly. But I, I just want to get your perspective, Dan, on one thing, and then I'll, I'll know who to call. Okay. Thanks to Larry Fedoric. His podcast is uh, fantastic. It's called uh, Later That Same Life. I want to make sure. Is that what it is, Fred? I don't have it in front of me anymore. Let me see. But look up Larry Fedoric where straight. podcasts are you Later sold. that same life There podcast. you go. Perfect. Yes, Howard. And uh, we'll see you all tomorrow, including Park Ranger Dan Duran. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chamber's Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge, and Hush Blankets. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran, and we are closing the dossier on this show. Listen tomorrow when we open a new dossier. So like and subscribe for all your dossier needs. Rather get a dossier than a dossier. Where's that?